Chapter 19 of Ben the Luggage Boy, or Among the Wards. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lori McClung. Ben the Luggage Boy, or Among the Wharves, by Horatio Alger, Jr. Chapter 19. Which is the Guilty Party? It was an exciting moment for Ben. He felt that his character for honesty was at stake. In case the pickpocket succeeded in getting off with the letter and money, Mr. Sampson would no doubt come to the conclusion that he had appropriated the fifty dollars to his own use, while his story of the robbery would be regarded as an impudent fabrication. He might even be arrested and sentenced to the island for theft. If this should happen, though he were innocent, Ben felt that he would not be willing to make himself known to his sister or his parents. But there was a chance of getting back the money, and he resolved to do his best. The pickpocket turned down a side street, his object to be to get out of the range of observation as soon as possible. But one thing he did not anticipate, and this was Ben's immediate discovery of his loss, on this subject he was soon enlightened. He saw Ben jump from the horse car, and his first impulse was to run. He made a quick movement in advance, and then paused. It occurred to him that he occupied a position of advantage with regard to his accuser, being respectably dressed while Ben was merely a ragged street boy, whose word probably would not inspire much confidence. This vantage ground he would give up by having recourse to flight, as this would probably be a virtual acknowledgment of guilt. He resolved instantaneously to assume an attitude of conscious integrity and frowned down upon Ben from the heights of assumed respectability. There was one danger, however— that he was known to some of the police force in his true character. But he must take the risk of recognition. On the landing in the middle of the street, Ben lost no time, but running up to the pickpocket, caught him by the arm. What do you want, boy? He demanded in a tone of indifference. I want my money, said Ben. I don't understand you, said the pickpocket loftily. Look here, mister, said Ben impatiently. You know well enough what I mean. You took a letter with money in it out of my pocket. Just hand it back, and I won't say anything about it. You're an impudent young rascal, returned the gentleman, affecting to be outraged by such a charge. Do you dare accuse a gentleman like me of robbing a ragmuffin like you? Yes, I do, said Ben boldly. Then you're either crazy or impudent. I don't know which. Call me what you please, but give me back my money. I don't believe you ever had five dollars in your possession. How much do you mean to say there was in this letter? Fifty dollars, answered Ben. The pickpocket had an object in asking this question. He wanted to learn whether the sum of money was sufficient to make it worth his while to keep it. Had it been three or four dollars, he might have given it up to avoid risk and trouble. But on finding that it was fifty dollars, he determined to hold on to it at all hazards. Clear out, boy, he said fiercely. I shan't stand any of your impudence. Give me my money, then. If you don't stop that, I'll knock you down, repeated the pickpocket, shaking off Ben's grasp and moving forward rapidly. If he expected to frighten our hero away thus easily, he was very much mistaken. Ben had too much at stake to give up the attempt to recover the letter. He ran forward, and seizing the man by the arm, he reiterated in a tone of firm determination, Give me my money, or I'll call a cop. Take that, you young villain, exclaimed the badger thief bringing his fist in contact with Ben's face in such a manner as to cause the blood to flow. In a physical contest, it was clear that Ben would get the worst of it. He was but a boy of sixteen, strong indeed, of his age, 
but still, what could he expect to accomplish against a tall man of mature age? He saw that he needed help, and he called out at the top of his lungs. Help! Police! His antagonist was adroit, and a life spent in eluding the law had made him quick-witted. He turned the tables upon Ben by turning round, grasping him firmly by the arm, and repeating in a voice louder than Ben's, Help! Police! Contrary to the usual custom in such cases, a policeman happened to be near and hurried to the spot where he was apparently wanted. What's the row? he asked. Before Ben had time to prefer his charge, the pickpocket said glibly, Policeman, I give this boy in charge. What's he been doing? I caught him with his hand in my pocket, said the man. He's a thieving young vagabond. That's a lie, exclaimed Ben, rather startled at the unexpected turn which affairs had taken. He's a pickpocket. The real culprit shrugged his shoulders. You ain't quite smart enough, boy, he said. Has he taken anything of yours? asked the policeman, who supposed Ben to be what he was represented. No, said the pickpocket, but he came near taking a money letter which I have in my pocket. Here, with astonishing effrontery, he displayed the letter which he had stolen from Ben. That's my letter, said Ben. He took it from my pocket. A likely story, smiled the pickpocket in serene superiority. The letter is for Mrs. Abercrombie, a friend of mine, and contains fifty dollars. I incautiously wrote upon the envelope money enclosed, which attracted the attention of this young vagabond as I held it in my hand. On replacing it in my pocket, he tried to get possession of it. That's a lie from beginning to end, exclaimed Ben impetuously. He's tried to make me out a thief when he's one himself. Well, what is your story? asked the policeman who, however, had already decided in his own mind that Ben was the guilty party. I was riding in the Fourth Avenue cars alongside of this man, said Ben, when he put his hand in my pocket and took out the letter that he just showed you. I jumped out after him and asked him to give it back when he fetched me a lick in the face. Do you mean to say that a ragamuffin like you had fifty dollars? demanded the thief. No, said Ben. The money wasn't mine. I was carrying it up to Mrs. Abercrombie, who lives on Madison Avenue. It's a likely story that a ragamuffin like you would be trusted with so much money. If you don't believe it, said Ben, go to Mr. Abercrombie's office in Wall Street. Mr. Sampson gave it to me only a few minutes ago. If he says he didn't, just carry me to the station house as quick as you want to. This confident assertion of Ben's put matters in rather a different light. It seemed straightforward, and the reference might easily prove which was the real culprit. The pickpocket saw that the officer wavered and rejoined hastily. You must expect the officers a fool to believe your ridiculous story. It's not so ridiculous, answered the policeman, scrutinizing the speaker with sudden suspicion. I am not sure, but the boy is right. I'm willing to let the matter drop, said the pickpocket magnanimously. As he didn't succeed in getting my money, I will not prosecute. You may let him go, Mr. Officer. Not so fast, said the policeman, his suspicions of the other party getting stronger and more clearly defined. I haven't any authority to do as you say. Very well. Take him along, then. I suppose the law must take its course. Yes, it must. Very well, boy. I'm sorry you've got into such a scrape, but it's your own fault. Good morning, officer. You're in too much of a hurry, said the policeman coolly. You must go along with me, too. Really? said the thief nervously. I hope you'll excuse me. I've got an important engagement this morning, and I... In fact, it will be excessively inconvenient. 
I'm sorry to put you to inconvenience, but it can't be helped. Really, Mr. Officer, it's no use. I shall need you. Oblige me by handing me that letter. Here it is, said the thief, unwillingly surrendering it. Really, it's excessively provoking. I'd rather lose the money than break my engagement. I'll promise to be on hand at the trial whenever it comes. If you keep the money, it will be a guarantee of my appearance. I don't know about that, answered the officer. As to being present at the trial, I mean that you shall be. Of course, I promise that. There's one little matter you seem to forget, said the officer. Your appearance may be quite as necessary as the boy's. It may be your trial and not his. Do you mean to insult me? demanded the pickpocket haughtily. Not by no manner of means. I ain't the judge, you know. If your story is all right, it'll appear so. Of course, but I shall have to break my engagement. Well, that can't be helped, as I see. Come along, if you please. He tucked one arm in that of the man and the other in Ben's and moved towards the station house. Of the two, Ben seemed to be much the more unconcerned. He was confident that his innocence would be proclaimed, while the other was equally convinced that trouble awaited him. Well, boy, how do you like going to the station house? asked the policeman. I don't mind as long as he goes with me, answered Ben. What I was most afraid of was that I'd lose the money, and then Mr. Sampson would have taken me for a thief. Meanwhile, the other party was rapidly getting more and more nervous. He felt that he was marching to his fate, and that the only way of escape was by flight, and that immediate, for they were very near the station house. Just as Ben pronounced the last words, the thief gathered all his strength and broke from the grasp of the officer, whose hold was momentarily relaxed. Once free, he showed an astonishing rapidity. The officer hesitated for an instant, for he had another prisoner to guard. Go after him, exclaimed Ben eagerly. Don't let him escape. I'll stay where I am. The conviction that the escape party was the real thief determined the policeman to follow Ben's advice. He let him go and started in rapid pursuit of the fugitive. Ben sat down on a doorstep and awaited anxiously the result of the chase. <laughs>